And welcome in to this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists. They're Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the Beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green, the month of April is here. Does that mean we're talking basketball again? Uh, there might be one or two towards the end. Uh, not not to thoroughly break down what, what Mike White's doing, but next year they're going to have seven transfers as their top kidding. seven guys. No, yeah. I, th- I do think it's a topic. Mike White's not signing anybody out of high school apparently anymore. He's just getting everybody out of the transfer portal. It's the way college sports is going. But we'll get to that, we'll get to that at the end because I, I know a, you love basketball. I want to start a JUCO or a prep school. I'm not even kidding. In regards to... To the way college recruiting is going on right now. With the portal. Yep. Will football ever get to where basketball is? It'll get close. Yeah. It'll get close. I mean, they're always going to have to have more numbers, but... I mean, think about what Florida basketball has done since we're on the topic right now. They've basically signed free agents from Boston College, from Penn State, from Charleston Southern... I forget where the other young man's from, McKessick, the first one. He's from a, a smaller school in the uh, the Summit League, I believe. But basically, it's free agency is what college basketball is right now. It's smart. I mean, it, it, and that's the thing. Like, you can't even, can't even really hate it. And if, even if you take it to the football side, do I want a high school guy who's still developing 18 years old or do I want a guy who's still got three years eligibility, he's 20 years old, and I've seen him against better competition? Like, which one of those makes a better, longer, and more immediate impact for my program, and it's it's, it's definitely the transfer kid. So I, it, it's high school recruiting has changed so much in the last two years. You know, we had Mark Wise on, who uh, does a lot of work with the Gator Network um, for basketball, does a lot of work on ESPN. He was on XL Primetime with us yesterday, and he was talking about Roy Williams retiring. And yeah, Roy Williams is you know seventy years old, but he believes that the old guard, if you will, the guys that have been in the game a long time may start exiting like Roy Williams because they are not big fans, this whole transfer portal thing. You've got transfer portal, you've got name, image, and likeness, and what that's about to bring to recruiting. There's a lot of things that um, are above and beyond what those guys are used to coaching. So I, I don't think he's wrong. I think it's going to happen in football to a large extent, too. Like we're we're gonna recruiters get, are going to be worth seven figures easy. We're going to get into spring ball. I'm going to get into an article ESPN.com had. But since we're on basketball, one final topic – Mike White's top seven players, assuming Castleton comes back for 2021, arguably his top seven guys are all transfer guys. How concerning is that, or is that just the way of the world? If he wins, it's not concerning at all. Yeah. Right? I mean, isn't that where we're all at? If if he goes and he can make some sweet 16s and make some runs and get some consistency, do you care? Uh, I mean, the days of the days of – the days of signing Mike Miller from yeah, right. from South Dakota. Or even even, you know, the back to back championship teams where they came back and, and they were there for four years. Were they there four years? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Those days are gone. Like I mean they're 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 history in the major sports. I think, you know, probably baseball's gonna come around that way soon, but but football's on its way to getting to where basketball is now. I mean, we get so uh, fed up with the one and dones like what Kentucky was doing. Well, essentially, you have that now in the portal. That's right. One and done. You know, you'd spend three years at a Charleston Southern, and you close out your career at a University of Florida. I think the normal path is about to be I sign somewhere out of high school. I stay for a year or two. I transfer. I graduate, and I transfer again. 
Like, I think that's going to be almost like the normal path of getting five years, right? Get Because you, you, you get the, you're going to get the free transfer, and then you'll get a free transfer when you graduate as a graduate transfer. And unless you're in a perfect system and in the perfect storm, then, um, you know, you, you're going to look to improve yourself each move. Not only are, you know, new Gators coming in, old Gators leaving, uh, we know Noah Locke has landed at Louisville. Omar Payne has landed at Illinois. So at least the guy Mike White was recruiting out of high school are landing pretty big-time <laughs> gigs, right, with Louisville and with Illinois. Hopefully it works out better, especially for Omar Payne in the Big Ten than it was in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably make a Final Four. Probably, and he'll have he'll be a double-double guy. He'll right, be a double-double exactly. machine next year <laughs> up there with the fighting Illini. All right, so uh, football, a lot going on. Certainly the NFL draft is as the time we're recording this. Two weeks from tomorrow, Thursday, April the 29th. Expect Kyle Pitts to go very, very early. Uh, probably expect Kadarius Tony to go, if not Thursday night, very early on Friday night in round two. We'll get to those guys. But the current Gators, spring football has been wrapped up. I will tell you, for people listening to 1010XL.com in this podcast, uh, we're recording it Wednesday morning. Wednesday afternoon, about 1 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to have Emory Jones on XL Primetime. We're scheduled to have Emory Jones on XL Primetime. Certainly looking forward to that conversation. Denny Thompson, quarterback training extraordinaire at six points regionally, nationally. You're traveling around a lot. You're doing a lot with quarterbacks and training them to go from high school to college and even college to the pros. A broad overview. Somebody comes up, never seen him before in his life, and says, hey, tell me about Emory Jones. What should I expect? from Emory Jones in 2021, what would your response be? Um, I've put a lot of thought in this, actually. Uh, Emory Emory needs to – the areas he needs to improve in is what we call rhythm throws. So I'm able to get through one progression, two progression in rhythm without um, any time in the pocket, without – you know, when that back foot hits the ground, or I I say back hip hits the ground, the ball's coming coming out. Emory's kind of a freestyle guy, right? Like he's throws a good ball. It's a pretty ball. Mechanically, he's got some things that he could be a little more consistent with that he's going to have to get improved if he's going to be the full-time starter throwing the ball, you know, 30 times a game. But this offense is going to look a lot different than it did with Kyle Trask because Kyle Trask was a very um, calculated quarterback. Like he'd walk up to the line. He kind of knew what he would see. He'd set his progressions based on what the defense was doing. When you take that experience away, and Kyle Trask had been in college for 13 years, it seemed like, <laughs> yeah. when he played, right? When you take that away, like that transition of having a package like Emory had of uh, five, six, seven plays and just knowing those plays to putting in an entire offense and asking a guy to, to operate at that level that Kyle Trask did is very, very difficult. And this isn't a knock on Emory. I'd be saying the same thing if it was Anthony or anybody else. That's a very hard transition and I think it's something that he's going to have to wrap his head around because otherwise you're going to have to make a living on the Emory Jones package, right? Of We saw it like quarterback power, quarterback draw, um, maybe hitting a dig route to keep the guys honest, maybe letting him throw it deep once or twice. But we've never seen Emory with a full expanded playbook. I know Brian Johnson, who's now with Philadelphia, the former quarterback coach, OC at Florida, loved Emory. I don't know Garrett McGee like that. Brian's a good friend of mine. So – Brian used to tell me all the time, like, listen, Emory's a dude. Like, Emory can do everything. Um, and I trust his opinion. So I'm, I'm going to go with that. 
But I do see some mechanical inconsistencies, not necessarily flaws, that, that could bite him. Today's Gator Podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. You can log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com. And you can also listen for Southeast Orthopedic Specialist, the good Dr. Kevin Murphy, on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Jeff and Dan right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in the world of sports. It's a feel-good story. Clearly, Emery's waited his his turn. I mean, year after year after year, and now finally he gets the opportunity. It's Emery's job, I believe, as we sit here in the month of April, spring ball in the rearview mirror. I also know, and, and you know him very well, you trained him, Anthony Richardson is a very good player. Is Emory Jones, as we sit here right now, Denny Thompson, the 100% full-blown starter on opening day, or as we go through the summer and get into fall conditioning and the Florida Atlantic game approaches, is Anthony Richardson in this thing? Is this a quarterback battle, if you will? Yeah, 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 it's competition. It's definitely a competition. Here's what happened with Anthony. Anthony just got done with his first spring because of COVID, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So where Anthony, and and he and I talked about this the other day, what he's got to do now is gather his thoughts on this is the first time that I haven't been the third string guy, so I got a bunch of reps. What did I struggle in? Like what was it that slowed my game down? And if he can, if he can work on those over the summer and if he can learn – more of what Garrett McGee's wanting to do and more really what we're talking here when we talk about both these guys for a large part, they're both, you know, really athletic, really talented throwers as well, is protections. Right? Do I know what my protections are? Do I know what my protection checks are? Do I know what I'm hot off of? You know, really that's the part of execution at the college level that when you watch a game and that quarterback is just Seven yards, eight yards, 12 yards, four yards, 12 yards, 30 yards, touchdown, right? And there's a rhythm to it. Then you're seeing a quarterback that knows how to set protections. Mm -hmm. He's putting his offensive line in a good place to succeed. That can be everything from, you know, I got to change the side of the slide to the depth of my drop to my pace climbing the pocket. Like there's a lot of those things that until you get in and you start practicing, you don't realize. So I, I think. For Anthony specifically, it's it's basically being his own biggest critic from the spring and being very honest with himself on these are the things I was comfortable with, these are the things that I'm not comfortable with, and I think the competition comes down to which one of them can run most of the playbook. The Gators are losing a lot on offense. We've talked about it with Pitts, with Tony, with Grimes, with Trask, obviously. But I thought it was interesting. The ESPN.com football power index came out. And what is that? Well, it's analytics. It's decimal points. It's number crunching. But it gives you an idea of where some, when they put in all the data and they spit out the results, where some have these teams. At the top, of course, is Alabama and Oklahoma and Ohio State. I haven't seen this. So before you tell me where Florida is, let me guess. Okay. Where do you think Florida is? Just outside the top 10. I'm going to say 12. They're number 14. Okay. And they're over under for wins. What do you think is it? Nine and a half. They have 8.2. And again, these are decimal point analytics. But, you you know, you say that, and I tend to agree with you. Alabama, LSU... Georgia, I think Missouri's going to be decent. 
Uh, we'll see about you know the Tennessees, the Kentuckys, the world. Be terrible. The the point is is that from a national perspective, and we've seen this even regionally, southeastern you know media as well. The thought is Florida is going to take a pretty big step down in 2021, and I don't know if that thought is simply because Trask is gone, if it's because they don't believe Tony and Pitts can be replaced. Whatever it is, it seems to have latched on to the national media that Florida is an eight- or nine-win team at best this year. I mean, the reality is that you lose 84, you lose one. Those are two big losses in Pitts and Tony. Like, the – Pitts especially because Pitts was your bailout guy. Pitts was your, I don't like this play. Let me eye down Pitts and put it high. But can you argue losing Trask? I mean, Trask is 43 touchdowns. Trask is, what, 60? I mean, Kyle Trask threw more touchdowns in the last two years than any quarterback that's going to be drafted in a couple of weeks at the draft. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are watching. Yeah, and I'm not saying this to disagree with you. I'm going to put a different spin on it, though, Hack. I I think – what Dan Mullen's wanting to do, these quarterbacks fit a little better. I think if if Trask didn't have, and I'm not taking anything away from Trask, but if Trask didn't have Grimes and Pitts, I'm not even going to put Tony in there just for this argument. Would he have had that year? Be- because when most people throw a ball out of bounds or when most people dirt a ball or, or you know take off and get a two-yard gain, he was able to put the ball up in the air to those guys. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, I mean, Trask was, you know, arguably the most successful quarterback, not arguably, he was since Tim Tebow. And statistically, in some ways, better than Tebow, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's a big loss, but I think these guys give Dan Mullen the opportunity to do what he wants to do a little bit more. Oh, I agree. I mean, you look at Mullen's pedigree with Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald, Tebow, obviously. You know, he's worked with a lot of big physical guys who like to run the ball. Here's the other thing is I'm going to give you a negative and I'm going to give you a positive. Um, losing Brian Johnson, I'm not saying this because he's a friend of mine, but you got to realize what you lost there. You lost somebody who played in this offense, right? That you can't, like, that's huge. Mm-hmm. You lost somebody who played in this offense a long time ago and has been through the progression with Urban Meyer and or Dan Mullen his entire career, right? That is a big loss in how you explain to quarterbacks what to expect and what to do. Florida is still at a point, though where it is we should win every game and then we should win at least one of the big three, right? That's a successful season. Yeah, like You need to beat either Alabama, LSU, or Georgia. Success, all right. Now, I'm splitting hairs here because yeah. we talked about this yesterday. I think you got to win two of those three to win the East. If you don't win the East after you won it last year and Georgia reclaims it a year later, that can't be a successful season, right? I don't know Georgia's schedule. It's um, what's there. Well, they don't play Alabama, right? So, so that's <laughs> so it. that that alone makes it a little. And they've easier. got Auburn. They got Auburn. They've lost a lot. Yeah, the Georgia's last two years. Georgia's schedule is much easier inside Man, the conference. I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but but now they do open think, with Clemson. Now that doesn't matter for that, yeah SEC. But purposes. I think if you're a Florida team that goes ten and two and you beat Georgia. I mean, I'll take that right now. Yeah. You know, however that falls out, if that's Georgia's only loss, you don't get to Atlanta. Like, in my mind, like, if you put that in front of me right now, I'll sign that piece of paper all day long. Let me get there one second with George. I got a th- thought. I want to get one from you as well. Southeast Orthopedic Specialist brings you Gator Bites every week. 
Their Northeast Florida's leading orthopedic center, providing an unparalleled level of care across numerous locations in both Jacksonville and St. Augustine. That includes Riverside, Northside, the Southside, the beaches, Fleming Island, and St. John's. We certainly thank Southeast Orthopedic for everything they do here for Gator Bites. As we begin to wrap up, Preseason magazines, Denny, about a month away. Wow. The Lindy's, the really? Athlons. Usually about mid to late May is when they'll start coming out. Oh. Phil Steele will be a little later, but they're going to start circulating here in the next month or two. I get a feeling almost across the board, Georgia's going to be picked to win the East. Yeah. I think everybody. I, I would be actually pretty surprised if one of those national publications picks Florida to win. I think Georgia's going to be a pick across the board. Should they be, in your opinion, and how far do you think Florida has fallen in a year? How much has Georgia risen in a year with the emergence of JT Daniels? Um, I mean, I, to answer your first question, I think Georgia should be because of the schedule. Because they don't play Alabama. Right. Right. Um, and again, you mentioned Clemson, but that doesn't matter in the SEC. Doesn't That's, matter in the conference. Doesn't yeah. matter at all. So I, I think they probably should be favored I like I don't get the sense that there's been that big of a rise from Georgia from this time last year because this time last year we were all being sold the Jamie Newman hype train by people who have no idea what they were talking about, <laughs> um, and so that was pretty high. So I don't know that it's it's fallen from that point. By the way, let me read you Georgia's schedule: Clemson, UAB, South Carolina, Vandy, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston, Southern Georgia. Tech. God, that's terrible. And their road games in the conference, they're at Vandy, they're at Auburn, they're at Tennessee. God, their home schedule's terrible. Um, Absolutely terrible. Like, I mean, because Clemson's a neutral site, right? Clemson's in Charlotte. Home schedule, UAB, South Carolina, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Charleston Southern. Good grief. <laughs> I think I'd have to sit out on the season tickets. Yeah. I mean, that's a what a horrible home schedule. I, I mean, I don't think Florida should have fallen that much either. I, I This time last year, Georgia was ahead of Florida. This time this year, Georgia's ahead of Florida. JT Daniels is a is a great player, but like, can he make it through the season? We don't know that, right? Um, we only saw him the last half of the season last year. I've heard he's had a good spring. Is there a competition there? No. It's JT Daniels' no. job. Now I'll say this, Carson, and you can – can Google this. You can look it up. Carson's had a hell of a spring. Of course, Denny trained Carson Beck, right. Mr. Florida in the state, Mr. Car- Football. Carson has had like an unbelievable spring. Yeah, but Georgia's not. They're not wanting to go through that again. Like JT has proven he's 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 the guy, and so they're they're going to roll with JT. But I mean, I think it's a toss up. I still think it's a toss up. I think Georgia it makes all the sense to favor Georgia right now. But if the Florida Georgia game was week three. And we didn't know what either team was like right now. It'd be a toss-up. Well, to me, it's simple. You know, whether it's six and one and half a dozen in the other. But when Florida's two Western opponents are Alabama and LSU, no yeah. and Georgia's are a down Auburn team with a brand new head coach and Arkansas, that's all. Georgia's going to be the favorite. Yeah, that's all the difference. And here's the thing about Florida that everybody needs to understand: like Florida, if that front four plays to the level of what everybody is projecting them to be as pro players. It's going to be tough. I'm talking Carter, Brenton Cox. Yeah, Jeremiah I mean, Moon. all of them. And, and even the backups, like, there's depth there. Their back half isn't as great, but you can you can disguise a back half 
when you're dominant up front. And the news I'm getting is they are dominant. Well, I think that's the one thing people this offseason lost sight of. People were so upset about Trask and Pitts and Tony and Grimes all Mm -hmm. leaving. You kind of all lost sight of the fact that Zach Carter and Britton Cox and Trey Dean and Jeremiah Moon and all these guys came back. Because, admittedly, the defense struggled last year. They didn't struggle. They stunk. They were bad, yes. (laughs) But they got a lot of guys on that defense that have played a lot of football in the SEC that are back again this year. They're going to have to pick it up. They're going to have to be the ones, especially that Alabama game early, they're going to have to be the ones that control the tempo of the game. And I think they can. Um, Not necessarily saying against Alabama. I'm just saying in general – but I think they can. I think there's a chance that you look at this and this team is decent to good on offense, very good on defense. I think there's that chance heading into the season. Leave us with this. A couple of mock drafts have come out in the last uh, couple of days, including Mel Kuyper, uh, Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports, just to name a few. You wonder how these things start if one guy copies another or if somebody hears something. A lot of Kadarius Tony to Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Kuyper had it in his. Like I said, CBS had it in theirs. I want to say Pro Football Focus had Kadarius Tony to Jacksonville. It's starting to become a domino effect. Whether it happens or not, we're going to assume for our conversation it will. How could a Kadarius Tony work in a Urban Meyer offense? It would be interesting because they kind of have that guy a little bit with LaVisca Chanel. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. I mean, LaVisca's 225. He's a big guy. I mean, you can never have too many weapons. But I think what Urban Meyer wants to do is establish run. And coaches say that, but I think it's legitimate. I think Bevel and Urban Meyer and, and Schottenheimer and those guys here in Jacksonville, they want to establish the run first. So I, I, I think when you start to do that, so then you open up those little creases second level, mm-hmm. right right behind the second level. And if you can get a guy like Kadarius Tony who can take a ball – make three or four moves and get you five or six more yards. Like that's huge. That's what you want. That's that's as valuable as your big play guy in an offense that's largely shotgun play action based. Inside zone play action based, power play action based, all that kind of stuff because you get the flow of the linebackers either down or over. Right? And if that guy, if you got a guy that can get in the ball, which they're going to, and you've got a guy that can get the ball and make something happen, like you can become very explosive. I think it makes a lot of sense. And if you've got one of those on each side, like now you're you're that much better. All right, I'm hitting you with this cold, but but I'm oh, great. curious. Great. Um, please, I, I hope you're not on the side that I had to argue yesterday on XL Prime Time. Good heavens, Kyle Pitts is going to go in the top five, right? He's probably going to go number four, whether Atlanta takes him or somebody trades up. I had people, <clears throat> Matt Hayes, telling me on XL Prime Time yesterday, and Matt's not the only one. I love Matt; he's a good buddy, but me and him just see differently. He would give 25, 33, 45, and a first next year to move up and take Kyle Pitts at number four. Would you do that? God, no. Okay, I didn't think so. Yeah. Gosh, no. Now, and, and to Matt's defense, and again, Matt's not the only one. A lot of, And by the way, a lot of people would. A lot of people would say, give well, the farm for Kyle Pitts. Well, it, well, you lost me at the first next year. Well, yeah. I was kind of with you. But it would take a first next year to do it. And I understand maybe the, I, maybe I'd give up 25 44 in the first. I'm not giving up all that for a tight end. Because think about no. it. 25, I mean Atlanta's moving back 21 spots. Mm-hmm. You they're not just going to take 33 and 45. Those are two seconds. That ain't going to work. They're going to want a first next year. I get the appeal, right? Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitts. 
It would be unbelievable. And that's Matt's point. Two generational type players that you're not going to have a chance to draft again for a long, long time. But to me, there's just too much Urban Meyer's got to build here in Jacksonville to give up four draft picks, high draft picks at that, for one guy. Yeah, and I'm not suggesting at all that this guy is his equal, but if I can get Brevin Jordan in the third round and at least fill that gap, I mean, the salary cap's about to go crazy, by the way. And the salary cap's probably going to be, you know, 250 mil. It's probably going to go up 30 something percent in the next two years. Um, you can go, I mean, at that point, you can go sign George Kittle. You can go sign, like, if it doesn't work out with Brevin Jordan. But there's no way I'm giving up the farm for a tight end. Yeah. Although I think Pitts is going to be great, but you know what's interesting? Travis Kelsey, third-round pick. Mm -hmm. Gronk was a second-round pick. George Kittle was like a fifth-round pick. Antonio Gates wasn't even drafted. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see how Pitts does. Was it a couple years ago we had the two tight ends that both went in the first round? What have they done? From Iowa, Hawkinson and Fant. Fant's been better, and he was taken second. He's been okay. He hadn't been great. He hadn't been great. No, Hawkinson certainly hadn't been worth a top 10 pick. No, I I just— I I mean, I'm rooting for Kyle Pitts. But any Jaguar fan that wants to give up all that to move 21 spots, I just think is— in Neverland right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Like, we were brought up last night about, this is Gator-related, I, we were two for two then because I agree with you on the Jalen Ramsey thing yesterday. Just want to let you know. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes, and, and again, in a Jaguar uniform, <laughs> he was— This is a Gator podcast. Right. But. No, I get it, but I appreciate the, <laughs> the sentiment there. That is Denny Thompson. You get him on the Sports Den every weeknight alongside big game James Coleman. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. You get me on XL Primetime with Matt Hayes, Joe Cowart, and former Jaguar Pro Bowler Leon Searcy. We're back next week. We will be inside of two weeks till the NFL draft. Looking forward to it. We'll talk to you then on Gator Bites.